You're listening to What It's Like with Luce, a podcast highlighting ordinary people doing extraordinary things. I'm your host, Lucy Norris, and on today's episode, I'm chatting with founder of Bike Row Ski and Performance Therapy Ireland. Swapping an engineering degree for a full-on career in the world of fitness and physical therapy, this week's founder has never been one to shy away from risk if it meant spending each day doing what he loved. Starting out by opening what would become North Dublin's first CrossFit affiliate and Ireland's first Catalyst Athletics weightlifting affiliate, things grew quite literally from strength to strength and it's been all go for him ever since. Coming up with the idea to create a brand new studio class involving all three of the Concept 2 ergs, he launched his latest venture, aptly named Bike Row Ski, which in just a few months of business was attracting plenty of attention from overseas. Taking me through his journey from the very beginning, here's what it's like to be Stephen Weinman. Before we get stuck into the episode, I just wanted to say that if there is a drop in sound quality throughout, I'm very sorry. But in respect of social distancing during COVID-19, I've had to record episodes remotely. In this challenging time, we're all trying our best, so I really hope everyone is staying safe and that you enjoy the episode. To start off, I think it would be good to go back to when you were younger and maybe kind of explore your initial relationship with fitness. Is it something that you've always been really interested in or is it something that developed over time? Um, no, I think I think since I was young, um, I think it's it's always been a massive uh, a massive part of who I am. Like I I had all these aspirations of playing for Liverpool uh, when I was a kid. You know, um, ever really got into the Gaelic games side of things, but always into football. And I think I I nearly enjoyed the training side of things more than the actual matches and all that kind of stuff. I I enjoyed playing matches, but the training side of things always just fascinated me. Just that I could just go off on my own and just train and better myself. Um, so I think kind of football was where that kind of started. And, and then that kind of moved into lots of things like um, golf and running and triathlon. And um, as the years went on, I, I just kept trying different things and um, kind of falling in love with a certain sport for a while and, and training to to find what I could do in it and then realizing that yeah I'm not going to make a career out of this or a living out of it and um, but I enjoy it um, and then that kind of moved into into real kind of training and going to the gym um, and a commercial gym that wasn't too far from, from where I lived in Malahide and I was going there nearly every single day that was when I was in um, the end of school and in college and I think that's where um, where my kind of thoughts kind of changed from um, the college course that I was in to maybe getting involved in, into something in, in, in fitness, you know? I can only imagine how difficult setting up your own gym is between, you know, finding space, equipment, clients, all of that. So what was it that made you go down that route and think, yeah, you wanted to do this for yourself and have your own place? Um, I think it's, it's, it was, it was a funny time. It was, I, I, I had been working in a commercial gym and then I went to Australia for six months with my friends doing the, the whole travel thing. 
Um, and when I was over there, I was having all sorts of thoughts as to what I was going to do. Was I going to um, continue in the fitness industry? But I wasn't really happy in the commercial setting, uh, the big commercial gym setting where you were kind of doing a lot of sitting behind desks and not really coaching. Um, and uh, when I got back from Australia, I went into and started a, a, a physical therapy um course with the Irish uh, Physical Therapy Association um, and while I was doing that studying for the three and a half years um, I was working in a personal training um, clinic in Dublin city centre um, and that was you know during boom time and everything was so flat out busy we were doing you know between 10 and probably between 10 and 20 half hour PT sessions a day Monday to Friday it was absolutely bananas we were we were so busy with it all um, and I think it just got to the stage where I was so heavy into my own training um, and realized that, you know, I wasn't too shabby at it. I was pretty good. And, and people uh, did like spending time with me on a one-to-one -one basis that I said, look, you know, and really not knowing and not realizing what it took to actually run a business um, and not just coach. Um, I said, you know, look, I think I can do this myself. So um, the time is right. There's not many um, small, you know, functional fitness um, uh, style gyms uh, in, in Dublin. The whole CrossFit scene was only really getting going in Ireland then in 2009, 2010. Um, so I said, look, I, I saw... Um, an opportunity and I said I think I can do this pretty well in the small to medium-sized group setting as well as personal training as well as physical therapy as well as run the business side things as well as social media and um, so every single um, every single hat I was wearing at the same time and uh, I just said yeah I'll, I'll, I'll go for it and, and I'll give it a, a shot but there was no real kind of thought in my head that oh this isn't going to work I was just very very driven and very focused on I can do this myself and um, I've done enough training courses to understand how to train people well and, and effectively and uh, I thought I had the personality for it um, but I did I did definitely realize through the first year of opening up um, the gym that I have now, uh, Performance Therapy Ireland in Kinsley, um, I don't have the business acumen or the, the business knowledge um, that I really should have before I opened, but I, I just had to make do and learn as I went, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes the best things come out of from just learning on your feet, as challenging as um, I'm sure it was. But so mm, yeah. you you came up with the idea you knew that you wanted to do it what's kind of the first practical step i guess yeah so so with pti it was very much so an idea that i had based upon and it's still it's still something that i strongly believe in to 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 this day is that you know everybody is an individual and and in 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 the in the best case scenario where nobody needed to pay money and nobody needed to be paid money and everybody had enough time in the day to do everything that they needed to do, I still firmly believe from a strength training point of view, everybody should be trained individually. I, I firmly believe that because um, from, from my physical therapy brain, I can't switch off 
the 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 knowledge that I have that you know some people should never squat heavy weight and some people should never deadlift and some people should never you know do a sit up because we're all we're all built differently and, and we're all you know we all come from different backgrounds and different um anthropometry like different body types and mm-hmm. um, and some people are very much so what we would call like a double leg squatter and some people what we would call a hip hinger so they're very strong from a pulling point point of view and some people have a very weak core or a very weak lower back and unfortunately if you if you take 20 people and put them all under one roof and say okay we're all going to do deadlifts and sit-ups now some someone not necessarily is going to get hurt but they're not going to get an effective workout because that's not what they should be doing. So, I mean, from, from, from PTI, from, from the very inception, my, my whole idea was it, was it was about training people within the group setting, but giving them as much of an individualized approach as possible because that's where I, I, I formulated all of my programming and all of my knowledge was based upon one-to-one training or physical therapy, which is a one-to-one treatment. So I couldn't switch that off. So within Performance Therapy Ireland, we basically had, you know, three to five different programs running concurrently within the same group setting since day one. And, and lots of people who, um, who, who own their own gym or own their own, um, you know, studio will, will listen to me saying this and go, what are you talking about? That's a ton of work. And how can you manage that? Um, and I did think that as well at the, at the start going like, this is going to be a lot to manage with, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, hundred, 150, 200 people. It gets more and more, um, you know, complex as you go because of, of people who are brand new people who have injuries, people who just want, you know, don't want to put their hands on a barbell ever because they heard that it's not good for you. And then you have advanced trainees who want to it, be the, the very best that they can be and achieve their athletic potential. So there, there, there's such a massive range of ability that we should be looking at all the time as coaches. But you also then have to look at the, the model that you're running and saying, well, you know, do I need to give that much to everybody? That's a lot of time. And for what we charge is that too much of an offering for what we charge and then people start going well you know what i'm going to charge more and then they figure out that they're in a location with the gym that they can't charge more for because the demographic is different so it it, it it's it's a massive amount of um of thought behind that and if someone said to me what's the what's the easiest thing to do i'd say you know you know keep your offering low and keep it, you know, less complex and look after people and specialize in one area. And that's, that's, you know, where you can, you can really excel at. But, um, I think the, the functional fitness CrossFit, um, I don't know, you know, how you describe it, but, but that big functional fitness market that came along, everybody wanted to be coaching everybody at everything. And it, it, it's, um, I think it took away from the offering of what a lot of people could actually provide and it spread people far too thin and it created more problems than they could actually handle, if that all kind of makes sense. And um, as well, so once you opened and you'd kind of finalized all your your like ethos and your plans and stuff, how did you begin to attract customers? Was it um, through a client base you had from working in previous places or how did you do that? Um, I was, it was basically, um, local boy stuff. Like I, I opened, you know, five minutes from where I, I grew up and 
I knew a lot of people within um, the soccer clubs and the Gaelic clubs and runners, triathletes, golfers, every sport that I'd basically been involved in. I still had, you know, a lot of friends and a lot of contacts in it. So I was like, well, you know what, this is what I'm doing. And word got around and there wasn't really anywhere that was doing what, what I was putting out there. And I mean, I was putting structure in place for, for people with strength work, with accessory work, with energy systems and conditioning. Um, and this, this, from what I could see, just wasn't being offered. You know, I've seen a few CrossFit gyms and I've seen a few spin studios and I've seen a few places who were like, oh, we do strongman or we do, you know, calisthenics or we do, um, you know, gymnastics for adults. And I was like, well, do you know what? I don't think people known out out north um, county dublin at that time was actually doing what we were doing so i knew that once word got around i would just attract you know interest um, and before i knew it you know i was basically doing fundamentals which is you know our our, our three to five um classes to get people um or our sort of three three to five sessions to get people ready to join our classes and i was doing them pretty much every evening and then that was getting people ready to join uh the group classes and then the group classes got busier and um i got to the stage where i had to add a few extra hours and then i I, I hit that first stage of um, over-enthusiastic burnout where you're basically trying to work every single hour of, of, of every day um, and you realize that you, you, you can't do this anymore. So you need to, to take a little bit of a step back and realize, right, how do I, how do I grow things without, you know, just digging myself into a hole? That kind of developed quite quickly and it was, it was, it was all quite organic to be honest there was there was a bit of you know facebook then but there there wasn't instagram and um there wasn't really any kind of marketing plan at that time it was word of mouth and it was controlling the traffic that was coming through the door you touched there on how you felt like you were potentially working a bit too hard trying to get everything off the ground and clearly it, it worked and you guys were were becoming successful so why did you decide then to move on to another venture and open biker ski um well, I suppose I was, uh, what was I, six, six to seven years in with PTI and, and yeah, we were very, very busy and, and even, even more so now, but it just got to that stage where the same thing happened that happened when I started um, PTI is that I just noticed a change in, in, in the market and, and, and in, in the kind of landscape of the fitness industry because the way that I saw it was, you know, I started out as a 28 year old and I was, um, you know, I wasn't married at that stage and I had no kids and um, I was renting a house with, with a friend and I was just, you know, able to just go and just work all the time with, with um, building PTI and just not really have any other responsibilities or, or, or things to actually do. It was just work, 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 train, train, train and, and, and that was it. Um, and I think that was coming from a 27, 28 year old um, perspective, um, at least from my kind of 27, 28 year old perspective, it was just train and work. But, and, and, and the, the people that kind of came into PTI at that stage were all very, very similar. There were guys and girls my age who knew me and were coming in and they were in the exact same 
kind of boat. They were all, you know, uh, young professionals, not married, no kids, and Evan had loads of time to train and, and to dedicate to, to barbells and kettlebells and dumbbells and bodyweight stuff and energy system training and train hard and, you know, have a great time. And then as the, uh, as the years went on, a, a trend really started to, to emerge that I noticed that, and again, I got um, engaged and married, um, and I had uh, we we had our first little girl, Ayla, and um, and then we were my wife was pregnant with our second little girl, Robin, and as this was all happening, the people getting engaged and married and having children, I suppose the the type of client was changing within the gym. Uh, right alongside me I was seeing that everyone else was getting engaged and married and having one baby and the second baby and applying for a mortgage and you know saying listen I'm gonna just you know pause the gym for two months because we're applying for this uh, mortgage and would you mind this that whatever and I was like yeah no problem but people kept coming back to me saying and, and, and listen can I just pay you to come in and do a class and you know just a once-off here and there and I kept having to turn people down and say, look, no, the model is actually a, a recurring monthly membership model. And that's how we, you know, plan the business and forecast everything going forward. And they were like, yeah, absolutely. No problem. But this, this request kind of kept coming in from every single angle. And I was like, why am I turning people away who want to be here and want to be a part of our culture, but they can't commit to that style of membership. And I was kind of thinking to myself, going, there has to be a way to look after all these people and, you know, keep every, everybody happy and not have my business and, you know, turn, uh, you know, go backwards or, or suffer to some degree. So uh, uh, a personal training client of mine at the time, we were just talking about it all. And he said, look, you know, have you any other ideas? And we basically chatted and forth and, and the, the unnamed um, bike row ski idea came up and we said, look, you know, what if, what if we did this and this? And first of all, it was a rowing class and then it was rowing and skiing. And then I was like, well, you know what? Concept two brought out the bike uh, and they literally just brought out the bike. So that kind of completed the three ergs, the, the three machines. And uh, we said, I said, look, you know what? I'm going to try out this bike and see what it's like. And um, first, first go on it, I was, I, was, I was hooked. I was blown away. And I was like, you know what? Because um, I love the ski erg and I've been rowing for years and I knew the potency of these machines um, and that could be applied to, you know, all body types and all ages and abilities. So we said, look, let's, you know, put together a business plan and let's um let's work some numbers and and see where we could put it and we thought about a location and then we realized that I actually had the space to do it in my current location so um we we kept planning a few bits and pieces and putting ideas together and getting the, the name together and it just kind of grew from there it, it was it, it was really it did really come from that whole thing of me noticing that no barrier to entry all all levels fitness class with a really good experience and 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 uh it 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 kind of all these little ideas i had just kind of came together under one roof and, and that's where it kind of grew from i don't really know if it was the case in dublin but abroad we saw a big explosion of that kind of boutique fitness class mm. um, and then i guess yeah. helped by social media maybe turning it into a little bit of a trend did it ever were you initially going into a market that was perceived as maybe a bit saturated before you opened Microski? Uh, no, be in fact it was it was it was quite exciting, um, and it's it still is because um, 
I've done quite a few of these these boutique classes, and you know, I've I've done a few um, classes around Ireland and in the UK and in the States, um, and. Uh, like I was, I was very much so impressed with some places in terms of the experience that they offered. Um, but a few of the places that, that I went, I, I was just, I mean, I've, I've, I've had, I've had a really good fitness education from incredible mentors like uh, coach Mike Bergener and uh, James Fitzgerald from OPEX and Max L. Hodge from Training Think Tank um, and lots of these different coaches that I've met over the years and, and not saying I've seen it all, done it all, absolutely not, but I was just left kind of wanting with a few of the the, the so-called kind of boutique um, fitness classes. You know, I was in them and it was like, yeah, oh, that was pretty good and I was treated pretty well and it was nice and the people were nice and the setup was nice. But from a fitness point of view, I was left a little bit like, uh, I didn't really feel like I actually got as much from it as I could have. So I definitely felt like we had, we ha and I, I definitely feel like I, I do right now have quite a lot more to offer um, in that in that market, if I felt that we were going into that market and someone was doing what we were doing, I I wouldn't have gone in against you know a big chain boutique fitness brand and try and beat them at their own game because a lot of them have such strong brand power that you'd be going in against hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram and Facebook and you know massive you know backing in terms of finance and you know a lot of these companies can make you know serious moves very very fast with with a lot of power behind them but i knew that we needed to offer something that what that that wasn't being done and hadn't been done before and and truly um i know that bikroski is that offering also i mean it was probably a very big venture to get all of the the new equipment in and things like that did you ever seek outside investment or go down that route of um pitching and, and all of that kind of thing uh no it was it was myself and and my uh business partner um uh, i took investment on uh, that way at the at the at the start but it wasn't um it wasn't something that uh was a major obstacle no it was it was it was all within very much so within um, a reasonable budget for us to get going to to offer what I wanted to offer. It, it wasn't like I was looking for a phenomenal investment for this huge piece of of, of tech. It, it was, it was, and it still is the 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 big part of what we do is the experience from start to finish. And and I knew that with the great team that I have around me and um, and the the original four of us at the start, which was me, um, Stuart, Mark, and Sarah, the four of us at the start, I knew um that what we could offer um, on top of um, the tech we have involved and the class structure, I, I knew that that what we could offer was more than enough at the start to 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 give us a good footing um, and to and to, to help us create that kind of platform to grow from. And you have five locations now. Is that is that right? Yeah, we five, and then uh, the sixth and seventh are sitting in the wings, and um, so they're. They're um they're on on hold just for the moment, but um but the next two locations, number six and seven, are are uh, are 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 planned already. Yes. And have you ever thought about franchising internationally? 
it's, I mean, franchising um, only came about, I mean, our original plan was two studios. It was one in Kinsili and then the other one was, um, was, was more than likely going to be aimed towards uh, city centre or slightly more towards South Dublin from the city centre. Um, and we were probably only a month in. Um, and we already had two interests from a franchise point of view. So we, we didn't start it out with the, with the franchising in mind. And then that just grew legs quite quickly. We got, you know, four, five, six, and then all of a sudden there was 10 and 15 and 20 different applications. Um, and at this stage now, um, I'd have to go and check how many have, have come in, but we generally get one or two points of interest a week now. Um, and a lot of that uh, started to then come from overseas. Now, we haven't turned anyone down from overseas, but we haven't agreed anything. We, we, we've been talking with a few people um, from both sides of the water, from the US and the UK, um, and there is interest there, and people are keen to, to, to help us take uh, bike-ski um, abroad. But, um, and, 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 and it's extremely exciting from, a, from, from my point of view um, to think that this could become an international um, brand. Absolutely, I, 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 I'm, I think it's, it's, it's part of our future plans, but um, we really did want to prove ourselves in the Irish market first and, and show that, um, you know, one, that we're first to market and a strong brand and that we can de develop um, a strong following um, with a really good culture um, and show that it's not just about rolling out this um, studio and then putting in bike throwers and skiers and then say off you go and hands off like we we very much so wanted to show and and are showing that we're we're very hands-on with our our franchises making sure that they succeed and helping them with whatever they need um to to succeed you know if that's more you know um, franchise management work or if that's more customer service work or if that's more coaching expertise work and um, we know that that uh the brand we in no way want to dilute down the brand just to spread its, its wings further it's, it's got it's got to be done right and the locations have to be right the operators have to be right the coaches have to be right um, and and once we are comfortable with that then yeah the the uk and the us are are um are very much so points of interest for us yeah that is really exciting it's, i think um i always think it's amazing when you talk to people about you know potentially franchising their business i think people don't realize how much work goes into it behind the scenes is not just like signing a piece of paper you know and then all of a sudden you're in in yeah. love or whatever but um i also think it's amazing how fast you you grew your business so what do you think it is about your culture at bikerski that's attracted so many people um it's it's it is a number of things but um i can firmly firmly say that it's it's down to the people that we have working for us i mean we have a phenomenal team um in uh, in all the coaches and the managers um in, in each um location i mean um if i was to try and single out anybody i'd I'd have a, a very hard job of doing it, and um, you know I'm only one one part of of this this team of people that that we have, and you know we we have we've got franchise management roles, we have managers in each location, and then we have you know four or five coaches in each location who are all incredible coaches, and they've all spent time with us, and um, they've all 
you know, gone through, um, you know, coming in, getting into classes, spending time with other coaches, getting feedback, giving feed, feedback and, 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 and really investing in their jobs as a bike ski coach. Um, and I think that, uh, that if we didn't, if we didn't invest that much time in all the coaches um, and all the managers and, and sit down with all the operators and, and owners and, and, and make them see, you know, how passionate we are um, and how invested we are in this brand becoming um, uh, or fulfilling its true potential. I think we'd be wasting people's time. I mean, it's, 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 it's hugely important for us. Um, and, and the team that I have, I could only be sitting here, you know, chatting to you and, and, and other people and getting all these emails coming in from point of interest is, is, is because of, of that team that we've built. And, um, I think anybody who's, who, who's ever done, um, something big and not saying we're anything big, but anybody who, who has done something big and built some, something up from one location to multiple locations, I think if they, if they tell you that they, they were able to do, the majority of it uh, on their own, I think they'd be they they'd be lying. I mean, there's 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 such power in in having a team of people around you who will work morning, noon, and night, and uh, and keep coming back for more because they believe in it. It's 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 so powerful, you know. I know it's it's probably hard to answer because you can't predict the future. But um, do you have an ultimate end goal of where you want to see biker ski end up, or is it just kind of taking every day as it comes? At the moment, it's a, it's a, it's 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 a funny one, I suppose, with with everything now at the moment. But um, no end goal. I mean, the 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 goal was, you know, um, to get to that five marker and see could we could we make five places as successful as the others, and and you know we're we're pretty much there. Um, and then uh, the next stage was to get to double digits, and um, I know that we we could have agreed you know, 10, 15, 20 locations. Um, I know we could have agreed them six months ago, but we held off because we wanted to focus on quality over quantity at the start. Um, and again, show every um, owner operator that comes on board that, you know, we're not just, you know, throwing out franchises willy nilly. It's, it's, it's about quality. Um, so end, end goal is definitely to 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 show the world that bike or ski is 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 a real brand and um and it's a real movement and it's a real culture um and uh you know everybody says that you know the US is is the proving ground um and I believe that that as well and um I do think that we would like to see an overseas location in the UK first and um, just to basically test test the whole dipping your toe in in the in in the water for um for moving this uh outside of of the country but keep it on a on a kind of a short string for the moment so i mean london is a or or manchester or edinburgh or somewhere is a is a much shorter hop than flying to new york or la or something like that so it'd be a little easier to kind of keep an eye on and to help out with but um but no the us is the goal that's that's definitely well it sounds like you're well on your way to that and and can make it happen fairly quickly once you decide it's something that that you you're ready for but um i'm sure it hasn't been such a smooth road the whole time so is there any challenge that sticks in your mind that you had to overcome throughout the whole process um i suppose from from both point of view what what was really important to me 
um, at the start was um, the image and, and branding of, of, what, of what PTI was and what bike or ski was and what we wanted them to kind of represent. So um, branding and, and, and uh, the, the kind of image of each business was really, really important. And it kind of took a while uh, with both of them to get that right. Like we had a few different, um, you know, uh, sort of um, logos and branding done for each business when I was working on that side of things. Um, but, but, you know, I was quite lucky with the PTI one and I haven't changed that. I've just kind of had that kind of touched up and redrawn over the years. Um, but that's something that I've never thought about training because it was just about a, a simple brand. Um, but Bicro Ski was something that, uh, yeah, it took a while to get right before we would let it out there. Um, but it was something that we, again, wanted to, to, to keep uh, simple, but also to kind of um, uh, show the, the three elements all within that one kind of logo. So um, it was modeled off the Erg fan. And um, so it was, it was, it was something that I wanted to get really, really right because we had a few different ideas and they just looking back at them now, oh, they're just terrible. So, um, so this, this one now we were quite happy with. And, and I remember the first couple of people who inquired about the franchise and coming to me and saying, you know, um, did, ha have you um, bought this from the state? or did you buy it from Australia and I said what do you mean and they said that this this um, studio this this is a franchise of somewhere isn't it and I said no this is this is ours this is this this is mine um, and they couldn't believe that based upon just the branding and the class experience so they were really like wow this is actually yours I, I thought this this looks like an American brand or an Australian brand or something so that, that was nice to hear that I, I felt like we we kind of hit the nail on the head we kind of got that right um, but yeah I suppose other challenges I think um, it's a real it was it was a combination of things for me it was it was it was with with bike or ski a big challenge was was learning to split myself into so many parts quite quickly again um in terms of still running my gym and liaising with the manager and staff for the the gym and then all of a sudden it was building a new brand with a different business that was in the same building um, and new staff for that and then when the franchising uh option came up and that started moving forward then it was kind of a three a three uh, pronged attack where I was trying to be, you know, a gym owner, a studio owner, a franchise owner, um, and then also be a dad and a husband, you know, so it's, it's, it was that big kind of juggling thing. And, and have I got it figured out? Absolutely not. I'm, am I still trying to get it right? Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm still trying to be a better coach and a better businessman um, and a better husband and a better dad. And I think, um, I think that's, that's been the biggest challenge. It sounds like you're quite the multitasker. I'm not sure if I would ever be able I'm to. I'm tr trying anyway. I'm trying. <laughs> well, I think it's evident that you're succeeding with the success of both of your businesses. But um, being of success, I'd be interested to know what your meaning of success is. Um, yeah, I, I think that goes back to my previous points of, um, of succeeding in, in balancing all these things. I'm a big family man. Um, you know, uh, myself, my, my wife are both um, self-employed with our own businesses. 
um, and we both work a lot of the time, but we both want to spend as much time as we can with our two little girls. Um, Ayla's four and a half and Robin's nearly three. Um, so they're both, in the, in the best sense of the word, they're both handfuls because they're just constantly on the go and they constantly, you know, want to, you know, be a part of what we're doing or see what we're doing or talk to us or play or get time with us. So um, for, for me, a big part of success um, is maintaining family time and, and making sure that I can, you know, hopefully in, in the future, um, you know, just be there to constantly provide for my family and um, and give them, you know, the things that they need to 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 have a good life. Um, but from a from, you know, if that's kind of one one side of the coin, then the other side is is I've definitely got you know um, business goals and, and aspirations and um, and one spiker ski showed that. Um, that I had this popularity and this following and that um, to some degree uh, 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 an initial success. Um, it, was, it was really, you know, the goals kind of changed from having a second business um, that, that can provide uh, for myself and my family and for a great coaching team and to help them all, um, you know, earn money and, and make a, a decent living. Um, I suppose the franchising kind of just kind of reorientated my goals and, and I started saying, well, you know what, I'd really like to, I, I suppose, create su success internationally. To me, uh, to, to be able to go somewhere like the UK or the US and to feel like I have, you know, planted roots in, in some sense um, from an Irish brand, to me, would be absolutely mind-blowing. I'd say it's probably an indescribable feeling when you, when you first see, you know, things that you've been thinking of for so long come to life in physical form. Um, I guess my last question for you today, and then I'm going to let you go. If I put your 10-year-old self in front of you now, from where you're sitting today, having been through everything that you've been through, all the ups and downs, what's the biggest piece of advice you would give your 10-year-old self? Oh, um, that is a difficult one. Um, uh, well, I, I think that everything that, you know, 10 years old I was kicking a ball against a wall where I grew up um you know for hours a day and I was think I was you know so focused on you know if you do this amount of of times kicking the ball against the wall you're going to get better and better and better and um and in some in some way um that that's true if in, in in some way that you've got to basically keep working at something to to get better and you're not going to be handed everything you're going to have to work for it and um i think from from a training view and from a sport point of view and from a school point of view um i think i i was pretty diligent as a kid i don't think i was the smartest and i don't think i was the best from a sport point of view um but i always worked hard and i always applied myself um, i think when i when i got into the la the later stage of school and into college i think when i just because of the personality that that i am when i stop enjoying myself or i stop enjoying what i'm doing that tends to take my focus away from something so I think that um, for me, it, 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 um, it might sound very cliche to say that, to make sure that, 
you know, keep doing something that you enjoy. And, and I, I've been lucky in that I had, you know, supportive parents when I came home from, from Bolton Street. Uh, one day I was in DIT Bolton Street doing engineering. I was in two and a half years in and I came home one day and I was terrified to say, I don't really want to do this anymore. And, and I was so lucky that they were supportive and said, well, what do you want to do? Um, so I think I wouldn't really change anything that I would say to my 10 year old self. I would say, look, just keep doing what you enjoy doing, but you're going to have to work really hard at it if this thing's going to, going to, going to move forward. Thank you so much, Stephen. It's been really great chatting with you. Your story is, is really inspiring. No problem. Thanks a million for having me on. It's great. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, please rate, share and leave a comment if you like what you hear. And don't forget to follow at what it's like pod on Instagram and Facebook. For more information on bike race, ski and performance therapy, Ireland, visit the link in the description. I'll be back next week with more inspiring stories. But for now, this has been what it's like with Luce.